Our sermon scripture comes from the gospel according to John, the 14th chapter, the 23rd through the 29th verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do, not, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You have heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. God's word for God's people, and God's people said amen. amen. You may be seated. When I'm working at my other job fixing audiovisual equipment, uh, helping people figure out how to work the audiovisual equipment in a conference room or installing it or doing anything that has to do with uh, that equipment, there are times when I get stressed out. Sometimes, to be honest, it's kind of bothersome dealing with some of the people um, because sometimes they want to do things with the equipment that it's not designed to do. Sometimes they want to do things with the equipment that they are perfectly capable of doing themselves, but they have decided to put in these requests to have all these people around to help them just in case it goes wrong, even though it hasn't gone wrong before. They would rather not do the work themselves. Sometimes they think it's beneath them. That's a little stressful. Uh, sometimes it's stressful because they want something to work, but in their panic, they don't want to ask for help or they don't want to wait for the help to come. They want to try to figure it out themselves. That's stressful, but the thing that is probably the most stressful about that job is when there is no spare equipment for something that breaks a lot. I work with projectors. Projectors have lamps in them, and these lamps only have a certain amount of life on them, and you know every so many hours they're going to break, and they need to be replaced. And so one of the most stressful things is when I know that I have to replace the lamp, but the new lamp is not on its way. That being said, the times when I am least stressful is when I know that help is on the way. I am least stressful in the job when I know if something breaks, I have five of them sitting back in the storage closet and I could just go get one and swap it out and we'll be back going in about 15 minutes. That is when I am the least stressful. 
And so here I think about that when I read this passage of Scripture and really most of the Scriptures that I've gone over the past three weeks and this part in, indeed is Jesus's fair, what they call Jesus's farewell discourse. In John, they like to break it up into different things so they have different discourses and they don't have miracles, they have signs and they go a different way. And so what is happening during the farewell discourse is Jesus knows that he's about to be crucified. So he knows that he's going to have to go away for a long time, but he's here to tell them what's supposed to happen. And, you know, sometimes when you tell people things, you have to tell them over and over again. Sometimes when you talk to a group of people, you have to tell certain people in the group the information one way, another group of the people uh, 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 the information another way, and another one in the group of the pre- another way. So you may have to repeat it time and time again using different words because different people pay attention at different times and people have a different understanding of how they learn. And so here in the text in John 13, first Peter has some confusion about Jesus going away. Then that's taken care of. And then Thomas still has some confusion in 14. So he has to tell him that I am the way and the truth and the life and no one shall get to the Father except through me. Then Philip comes back door and he's like, well, I still don't understand what you're talking about. So he has to explain it to him as well. And then Judas, not Judas who betrayed him, Iscariot, but the other Judas asks for clarification and he says he says but lord why do you intend not to show yourself why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world because he's saying what he's going to do only a certain amount of people are going to be able to see at this time so that's what happens prior to the text why would you reveal yourself to just the disciples but not the world and when they're saying the world here it's not the world in general it's not what we would call secular it's some of those people who would desire to do evil with Jesus or against Jesus. And that's why he says, anybody who loves me will obey. Love is an action or it has an action accompanied with it. I remember growing up and getting all batty eyed about certain young ladies when I was in school and watching certain young ladies get all batty eyed about me and we would talk about love. But when we were talking about love, we talked about how this person made us feel. That's not the type of love that Jesus is talking about. The type of love that he's talking about means when you do something about it. You don't just say, I love you. Your actions indicate what you do. There is an action accompanied with Jesus. And to say that you love Jesus means you keep the commandments. If I love somebody, I would treat them like I love them. I would not disrespect them. I would take their thoughts and desires into consideration as I operated because I loved them. To love Jesus is to have faith in him. To love God is to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you. It is to enter into a relationship When a parent loves a child, they provide for that child. They protect that child. They give for that child. You don't just say, I love you. Now go on out in the world and fend for yourself. You train them up. You teach them. You provide for them. You protect them. 
You develop a relationship with them. You spend time with them. I have a friend of mine that uh, his response to every time someone calls him brother, he's being funny about it, not that he does not love them, but he says, uh, I don't remember you growing up in my mama's house. You, in order to be brother, we would have to have spent some time together. We would have to have some sort of relationship. And I myself have sort of used that sort of terminology. I had a cousin of mine post not too long ago on Facebook, would you tell on your cousin if the reward was $100,000? I promptly put under the picture, if we didn't spend the night at grandma's house together, you got to go. The cousins that I am closest to in my family are those that I've spent the most time with. So if you want to develop that, likewise, if you want to develop that relationship with Jesus, you need to spend some time with them. Spend some time in the word. Spend some time in prayer and meditation. Spend some time worshiping him. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So if you want to spend time with God, you ought to praise him. And if you praise him, he'll be there. So those who love God, obey him. And so that's his answer to the question of revealing himself to them. And then he goes on later on in verses 25 to 26 and says that he promises the Holy Spirit will explain all to them. Uh, The text says, all this I have spoken while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will explain, but in order for the Holy Spirit to explain, for the only, only, in order for the Holy Spirit to indwell in you, I must ask, is there room for the Holy Spirit? We make room for many things. But do we make room for the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. It's not going to force his way on it at all times. Not saying that the Holy Spirit won't overtake us sometimes when we are thinking about how good God's love is. But I'm saying when you want to spend that time, they don't have to chase. We have to make room for the Holy Spirit to live in us. Romans 8, 9, and 11 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit which dwells in you. In order to dwell in a place, there has to be room. And you have to make room for the Holy Spirit for him to dwell in, or else there won't be time for him to come in. And you can't do it all by yourself. That's why the Holy Spirit is here to help us. The Holy Spirit in the word in the Greek is a, a, a paraclete, which is literally an advocate. John first calls him another advocate, or John calls him another advocate because he calls Jesus our first advocate. An advocate, noun, a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy to publicly recommend or support. An advocate, 
Uh, they say to be successful in anything, you need a confidant, a coach, and a champion. Uh, the confidant is somebody that's sort of on your level that you can share your frustrations, your joys, your sorrow with. That's somebody that you can talk to about what's going on. A coach is someone who might have gone ahead of you just a little more. And they're able to tell you what to do in the right situation and, 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 and show you the way. Give you the things that you need to work on in order to advance. But then you also need a champion. There is no job I've ever gotten. There is no position I've ever gotten. There is, there is nothing that I've done on my own. That's not to say that I didn't work. That's not to say that I didn't prepare. That's not to say that I didn't practice. That's not to say I didn't train. But with having a confidant and having a coach, I still needed something or someone that was higher than the coach to say, let's give Johnny a chance. I don't know what it is about Johnny, but I think we need to give him a shot for it. See, the, pre the, the preparation and the hard work is for when somebody says, let's give you a chance, that you're able to do something with it. But you have to have somebody to advocate for you. And there's no better advocate than the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Greek word is the paraclet, parakletos or parakletos, which is literally translated as something who one who is called to the side of one another. Or, or one who is called to the side of another. And, it, and it's, it also has a secondary notion concerning the purpose of the calling alongside. They counsel or they support. So when Jesus was saying he's leaving, but he's leaving somebody here that will come to your side and advocate on your behalf. And it's a teacher and a reminder. It's a reminder here to, let, to make Jesus real to the people. This was to go on. Jesus, us following Jesus in this thing that we call Christianity has gone on for years and years and years, but we weren't all able to experience the physical Jesus. But we are able to experience him, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to borrow from my wife for a moment right now and talk about something that they said when they talk about Paul being an apostle, and she said that Paul did not experience Jesus the way the rest of the disciples experienced him. He experienced the same Jesus that we get to experience. That's through the Holy Spirit that the Father will send and teach us all things and allow us to remember. And not only does Jesus, Jesus, uh, he talks about those who love him, obeying him, and he promises that the Holy Spirit will explain all of these things to him. He'll come on our side and be our advocate, but not only that, uh, Jesus reminds them in answering Judas, not Iscariot, that his de of his departure that he will return. I have spent a lot more time working out than I normally have before. I've got some motivation to drop about 50. So uh, one thing that I've learned about working out is that the growth is not in the workout, but in the recovery. 
That's why they say if you're going to work out every day to only work out certain parts of your body. Or if you work out your whole body one day, take 24 to 48 hours off because the growth is in the recovery. What does that mean? That means when I work out, I'm doing damage or trauma to my body. I'm not hurting it, but I'm putting pressure on it. I'm taking it through something. And then when the recovery process goes on, my body says, well, that kind of hurt. I need to do something about it so that it does not hurt anymore. Maybe I should make the heart pump a little harder so that it can be more efficient. Maybe I should make the muscles grow a little stronger so that they can push that weight a little more further. Maybe I should make the lungs expand more so that they can have some wind back. The growth is in the recovery process, the response to what happened. So when I am crying late at night, going through the trials and tribulations, the recovery process is the Holy Spirit reminding me that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Though when I am scared about what's going to happen next, the recovery process, the Holy Spirit reminds me that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou, thou are with me. Thy rod and thy staff will comfort me. That's the recovery process. That's what's reminding me. When there are arrows being shot at me by day, the reminder process lets me know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. When I'm worried about where my next thing is going to come from, financial, I'll know that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's a reminder. That's my recovery. The, 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 the growth is in the recovery process. And so when I've failed, I'm reminded that the Bible says if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I know that nobody is perfect because I'm reminded through this recovery process that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the Holy Spirit bringing all the things to my remembrance, the things that God has taught us. That's what he's there for, to grow us through this recovery process. And this becomes the supreme remedy for all fears and lets us know that we have a legacy left in Christ Jesus. It reminds us, lets us know that he's coming back and it talks to us and keeps us from dangers seen and unseen. I have a vision in my head from time to time, an image. It's a tombstone clearly says, here lies Johnny Simpson Jr., born September 30th, 1980, died May 6th, 1998. Hmm. All right. Hmm. That is where the Holy Spirit spoke to me as clear as day. I've, I've told the story before, but I, I don't think I've told it here. But when I was growing up in Indianapolis, Indiana, I had three friends I hung around a lot. Uh, one by the name of Paul, one by the name of Adrian, and one by the name of Dwayne. 
And I didn't get to hang around them as much as I could my senior year because I was working at Sears and I was also running track during the summer. I mean, during the spring because it was May. And, and so I didn't spend that much time with them. Well, one day after track practice, one of the young ladies on the track team, her car wouldn't start. I have jumper cables in my car, so I offered to help. I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing, and so I left the two jumper cables on the other end touching each other when I connected it to my battery. So I blew the fuse that protected the starter of my battery. Now, why that became important is because I had borrowed some tools from Paul, my friend. And so I thought, well, I can fix the car once I got it home. I can fix it again myself. I just need the right tools to get in the box. I go over to Paul's house, which was right around the corner from my house. And Paul and Dwayne and Adrian are all over there playing video games. Paul, Adrian, and Dwayne say, we're about to go to Juan Solomon Park to go shoot some guns. Do you want to come? I say yes. I've said yes plenty of times before. I've gone to Juan Solomon Park and other places with them to go shoot off guns. Pastor was not always all buttoned down, <laughs> wearing glasses and, and other things. There are certain things pastor has said and done that I ain't been, I ain't been the, the pastoral person all my life. And so we decide to go to Juan Solomon Park. And in order to go to Juan Solomon Park, we have to pass my turnoff uh, to my street. And I hear a small voice say, Johnny, go home. I don't pay it no mind. I walk a little further and it gets stronger. Johnny, go home. I don't pay it any mind. And I get so strong that my stomach hurts and my legs can't move anymore. And so I tell them I'm going to go home. So I go home. Next day, I see Adrian at school, and Adrian was a rather large young man, and Adrian is sitting at the table, not eating his food. I go, and I think something's wrong because Adrian's not eating his food. And then I play like I'm going to take the food from him, and he still doesn't move. So now I know something's really wrong. Adrian, what's wrong? Man, don't hang around Paul no more. Why? I'm going to put it to you like this. Three dudes went into the forest. And only two came out. Paul had decided, based on an argument that Dwayne had had with one of Paul's cousins that Dwayne needed to go. Paul was a member of the Vice Lords, which was a gang primarily started in the Midwest, and they wore red, and there was another gang in the Midwest called the Gangster Disciples, that they were their rivals. And Dwayne was a gangster disciple. Paul was a Vice Lord, and some of Paul's family members were Vice Lords. And so Dwayne owed one of Paul's family members money. And so they decided from that point that Dwayne no longer needed to live. And so Dwayne was killed. And then I spent the next couple years of my life involved in the legal proceedings. Uh, the next couple days, we had to go down to the sheriff's office and, and, and tell. 
and, and then we had court cases and depositions and Paul subsequently tried to appeal and it became Adrian's word versus Paul's word and me being there, the last person that saw all of them together, the case kind of hinged on my testimony. And so being 17 years old and having to pallbearer a 15-year-old's funeral was challenging in and of itself. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me not to go. And I know if I'd have been there that that situation would not have gone down the way it would have gone down. But there's no guarantee that I would have survived myself. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the Holy Spirit not only spoke to me, but the Holy Spirit spoke to Dwayne's parents. Because here I am apologizing to Dwayne's parents about what happened and my involvement in the matter. And they say, we forgive you. We've already forgiven you. Not only have we forgiven you, but we've forgiven Paul. Strongest example of a Christian that I'd ever seen. But they were spoken to by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit guided them and led them to that decision. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and guided me to my decision. And just like the Holy Spirit spoke to them, the Holy Spirit is still here to speak to us. The Holy Spirit is still here to guide us, not just from those kind of things, not just from life and death situations, but our everyday situations, who we talk to, who we deal with, what kind of business dealings we deal with, where we go, what we spend our time. But in order for that to happen, we have to develop that relationship. If we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, if we spend our time in prayer, if we spend our time in meditation, if we spend our time reading God's word, if we spend our time fellowshipping with Christians, if we spend our time worshiping, we'll get our relationship with the advocate. We'll be able to listen to the counselor and know when the counselor speaks. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.